Nothing defeats something that is not real like something that is really real. You know, the truth is is light. And so the smarter you are, the more likely you are to have a great imagination and the more likely you are to start letting your mind go figuring odds and what if, what if this happens, what if that? And it's it's allowing your imagination to to lead you rather than you leading your imagination. The proof of hope is that you're still here. And and if you're still here, that means you're still you're still breathing. You're, you're you're breathing. You're here. And if you and if you're here, that means you haven't accomplished what you were put here to accomplish. Your books continue to influence. I mean, millions of people around the world. Twenty million people have read your books. You well, call yourself well, the 20, 20, 20 million have sold. That doesn't mean they've read them. But <laughs> let's hope they did, right? Um, think about this for a moment. You call yourself, I don't know if everybody knows this, and I've heard you say this, but I'm dying for everybody to hear it. You call yourself the non-motivational speaker. Why is that? Can you tell me more? Yeah, I, you know, I had a, a kind of a problem with it years ago. I, because I, I would speak for places and, and, uh, and people would call me, you know, please, please welcome motivational speaker. And I, I always just feel odd about that. And, and I realized that I, I felt odd about it because I, I didn't feel like that was what I did. And, and, I, and I've come to understand, in, in my mind, you know, motivation has a statute of limitations. Uh, there, it, it, it'll last until the first crazy thing that happens in your life. It, you know, it'll last until Monday as long as you're motivated late on a Friday. Uh, but, but proof last forever. And so I, I thought for a while, I said, I really kind of consider myself a teacher, but, but I, I, I really believe that I'm into proof because proof lasts. You know, proof doesn't require you to be with a group of people when you hear it, or it, it doesn't require any tone of voice on my part. Uh, proof only requires that it be the truth because at any point, that uh, you begin to believe that what you believe is not the truth. It's no longer proof. And, and I'm not talking about a mathematical proof. I'm talking about proof beyond a reasonable doubt, that kind of proof that, that when you hear something unheard or you, it hits in a way it hasn't before, it's, the reaction is kind of like, hmm, really? Wow, I, I never thought of that. I, I guess I'll never think of it any other way again. And when that happens, it, it, there are changes made. And, I, and I've had people come up and, and say to me afterwards, you know, well, you say you're not a motivational speaker, but I sure am motivated. And, and my reply is, well, it's not my fault, you know, because, <laughs> but, but, because it, it, you know, I, I, can, I understand now why you, you feel motivated. But I want you to know that what you feel is real because you are not motivated because of some emotional reaction. You, you feel motivated because you learned something you didn't know. You now understand how to apply it 
to make your life better, to make you a better parent, to make you a better spouse, to, to make your financial life better, to influence more people. And because you know how to do that, and it's been proven to you that if you do that, it will work, you're excited about it. But it's not a false excitement. Mm. So as I'm traveling right now a lot, right, two years of total, didn't get the, the, the privilege of traveling, it's locked down. I am finding something that's happening is sweeping the country, and I just want your perspective on it. People are paralyzed right now, or it feels like it for me, because they're experiencing FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. What would you say to those people that are stuck and they're having FUD? Well, I think, I, I believe that the truth is the, uh, is the antidote to most bad things. And I'm not talking about something that is true because something can be true and not be the truth. The truth is a foundation. The truth is the bottom of the pool. The truth is you can't go any farther than that. And, and the truth is like the best. It's one thing. You know, there can be different categories, but in every category, it's one thing because we're not talking about some of the truth or the you know the truths of the decade or whatever we're, it, we said the truth or the best and so it's one thing and so nothing nothing defeats something that is not real like something that is really real it, you know the truth is is light and you know i've had people tell me well we we live in in a in a dark world and it's getting darker well yeah that may be true but if if it is it's only because light is not doing its job you know because light trumps darkness every time and you can be in a totally dark place and just one little light and you, you know, it changes everything and so so the truth is is light it it enlightens people it relaxes people and so so you know i heard like fear i i know tons of people deal with that occasionally i deal with that and i have to remind myself of the truth about fear and i've heard uh, through the years so many cliches about fear that speakers and books have said and none of them seem to have any lasting bearing on on somebody's life, and and so I I really kind of dug deep one time to try to try to find okay what you know what is this and and why do some people deal with it and some people kind of don't? Well, I have I I determined that the smarter you are the more likely you are to deal with fear and doubt um, because you have a better imagination. Because so what fear is, the truth about fear is fear is nothing in the world but a misuse of the creative imagination that was placed in you. It's a misuse of it. You, and so the smarter you are, the more likely you are to have a great imagination and the more likely you are to start letting your mind go figuring odds and what if, what if this happens, what if that? And it's, it's allowing your imagination to, to lead you rather than you leading your imagination. Mm -hmm. uh, your imagination is a critical part 
of who you are. It's a critical part of how successful you can become. It's a critical part of your potential. But to allow it to be the leadership basis of your life is a dramatic mistake. And and, and if you wonder about the smarter thing, have you ever seen that, Casey, you ever seen that uh, movie or television series, Jackass, where <laughs> these guys are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, they're yeah. doing the, they're doing these things that are like insane. And I look at those people and I go, they don't seem to be scared of anything. And they don't appear to be very smart to me. You know, it's like, yeah, I'll jump off this cliff. It, you know, you don't seem to be scared of anything. Me, I'm scared of jumping off a cliff. And, and so, so there, there's, there's a where, where fear will work for me, but I'm not going to allow the imagination to leave my life. Well, it's interesting because when you just said the word cliff, you actually took me to the moment where I was dared, younger days, maybe a little drinking involved, much younger, where I was dared to bungee jump. And I have a major fear of heights, like a major fear of heights. Like I still have a fear of heights. I still get on the plane, but I just close my eyes. So I do this bungee jump, I'm at the top because I dared him, I said, you won't do it because he had the same fear, but he decided to do it, so now I had to. And I remember I, when I hear what you just said, misuse of our creative abilities, all the dangers came in front versus the excitement and the opportunity to overcome it. Right. And once I did it, by the way, I really learned that you can do virtually anything when you set your mind to it. And I love how you just said, don't let the fear lead you you get to lead it. And so you yeah. can come with me, I've got it, but I'm not gonna let it take over my life. But imagination can turn into fear. Mm. And you can, you can banish the fear by controlling your imagination. Yeah, every single time, every single time. Okay, somebody's listening in right now, um, and I'm gonna sort of segue on that because you know they may or may not have fun, but they really want to have hope for a prosperous future. They may or may not see it. Maybe. And I've, everybody grab a piece of paper because it's going to be some, that's the, the caveat is you have a piece of paper, you're ready to you write know. down an action item from the, I'm going to put the Andy Andrews. Um, what exercise would you have for them? If they wanted to have a prosperous future, they got a piece of paper and you're like, I could, I have a chance for to give somebody a really sage piece of advice. And maybe it's a story, maybe it's something you were taught that really helped shape you having hope for a great future. I am always gearing myself to drill to the bottom of the pool, to drill to the foundation of something, to find the truth, to find proof. And, and hope, hope for a prosperous future, hope for a safe, yeah, hope for whatever. Hope seems a little bit ethereal to me. And it, and it did for a long time, you know, part of, part of my life, I lived in, a place that was not so great. And, and so sometimes I realized sometimes I would have hope and sometimes I would be hopeless. And then I'd talk to somebody and I'd have hope again. And, and I, I remember thinking, man, is there any way that you can stay in a hopeful manner? Is there, you know, is this something more than an emotion? And, and so I, I determined to create a proof of hope. And, and so here, here is, if, if you want hope for a different future, here, here is your hope. And this works 
even at the worst time of your life. Because there's a couple of things you got to know about the worst time in your life. Number one, it's it's a normal place. Everybody has one. I mean, if you, if you look at every life that's ever existed from birth to death, you could find that one there, there, there it is. That was the worst time in their life. Everybody has one. And, and so it's, it's a normal situation to be in. We're all either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis or headed for a crisis. That's part of being with us on this planet. But the proof of hope is, is that you're still here. And, and if you're still here, that means you're still you're still breathing. You're 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 breathing. You're here. And if you and if you're here, that means you haven't accomplished what you were put here to accomplish. Mm. And if you haven't accomplished what you were put here to accomplish, that means that your purpose has not yet been fulfilled. And if your purpose hadn't been fulfilled, that means that the most important part of your life is still ahead of you. That, you know, that your purpose, that's the most important part of your life. And so it's still ahead of you. And if if the most important part of your life is still ahead of you, then that means that there is more. It doesn't matter how broke you are. It doesn't matter how sad you are or how depressed you might feel or how angry you are at the moment. There is, there is more. There, is, there, there are more children to help. There are more friends to influence. There's more success to earn. There's more, uh, more laughter to enjoy. There is more. It's a proof of hope. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm actually sort of celebrating. You should celebrate when you're really in a bad place because there's only one way to go up, right? Since you said sure. you're either in crisis going to it or coming out of it. You're yeah. coming out of it and you're like, oh, that's over. Get ready because you're going to be going into it every time. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, in these crazy times of uncertainty, I'm a leader and I got a lot of leaders listening in right now. How does a leader create certainty in times of uncertainty. I, I hate to be a one trick pony on you today, but I go back to the truth. You know, if you, if you can find the, the truth, not just what is true, but the truth, the bottom of the pool in, in the situations that you deal with, you'll find an answer there. And, and so I find when I'm working with people who are bothered by the uncertainty of our times, and I, I hear that question. I hear how do you, how do you deal with the uncertainty of all that's going on? And and the, you know, of course you could say, well, there's you know, there's good things going on too. I mean, you could argue with it, but the truth about dealing with uncertain times and how do I deal with uncertain times? Well, I deal with uncertain times the same way. I dealt with the uncertainty that was in place before this present uncertainty came about. You know, we, we live lives of uncertainty just because we're not always dealing with a pandemic or always dealing with, with, uh, with economic stuff. It, you know, life is uncertain. That is just, that's just a fact. And so, so it, you know, just because you weren't focused on something, your life was just as uncertain the day before the pandemic as you were the day they announced a pandemic. True. You just weren't thinking that way. And mm -hmm. 
and our thinking is the foundation of who we are. Our thinking is the foundation of who we are. It is. Most most people, you know, I mean, how many books have we read? How many speakers have we heard say your choices determine where you end up? Your choices determine your destiny. Is your choice the most important thing? If you want to teach your children anything, teach them to make good choices. Well, that's a perfect example of something that is true, but not the truth. Because it it it's true because our choices do uh What do they choose? They choose an action. And then uh, that action yields a result. And those results over time become who we are. That's our culture. Our results become our our culture, you know, results over time. And so our choices create our culture. So that is true, but it's not the truth. Because you can go farther down. You can go deeper. It's just that nobody does. Um, and, and the reason is because that sounds so good. But one thing that you can be sure of is when, when, when you see something true, one evidence of something that is true, that not the truth is something that is true. It works some of the time. It works enough times for people to think, yeah, we're good, you know, but it doesn't work every time. And, and, and if you're like me, Casey, I, I would prefer to have my hands on something that works every time. And so so if you look at the foundation, and, and the reason I say that choices, you know, the choice and your destiny, maybe maybe I should say this differently. Maybe it works every time, but it's not controllable. Mm, so right. I would rather have something in my hands that I can control about my future rather than flipping a coin. And, and if you... You know, we we tell kids make good choices, make good choices, make good choices. And, you know, and wave bye to them on the school bus. Hey, make good choices, and and then they come back with a note from the teacher, and we say, was that a good choice? That wasn't a good choice, was it? What did I talk to you about making good choices? Now go outside and play and make good choices. And, and that's like telling a kid take a quarter and go out in the backyard and flip heads every time. Okay, flip heads every time. Hey, was that a tail? Did I just tell you to flip heads? Who was sitting here just to, and then you go right out and, and, and you would say, well, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous because why would we expect a kid to be able to flip heads every time unless we as adults had figured out how to do it and could explain it to them? Okay, well, how do we expect kids or anybody to make good choices every time unless we as adults knew where good choices come from and we could make them and explain it. How, how would we expect that? And, and so it, it turns out that there is a foundation below choices and that is our thinking. It is our thinking. And that, that is the bottom of the pool. That's as far as you can go. It is, your thinking. And if you ever doubt that your thinking is the basis of your future, if you ever doubt that your thinking is the basis of your destiny, you just got to stop and remember that every choice you've ever made, every choice you will ever make in your life is totally determined by what you think and how you think about it and how long you think about it and, and mm-hmm. what you decide not to think about so that it won't distract you from thinking about what you got to think about so that you can decide 
I mean, it's our thinking. It's our thinking. And the and the 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 greatest part of this, the reason that is great news, is because while our thinking produces our choice, our choice, our thinking determines our choices. We can choose how we think. Mm. So mindset, my mindset, my thinking, how I think is influenced by external sources quite often, what we read, what we see, who we associate with, what we watch, right? So, and, it, and, and it, maybe more importantly, it's determined by who we don't see, who we, what we don't watch, what we will not listen to, what mm. we will not read. Mm. Put the line in the sand. What's your line look like that influences your thinking? So uh, you, when you've had to talk about kids, because, you know, I've got teenage girls, you heard me go, oh, my gosh, aren't I having fun? Um, anyway, I posted something out on social last night. You'll love it. I found something in my teenager's room, and she gave me permission to post it. And you would be, I didn't tell her to do it. Can't take any credit. She had envelopes. And on the outside of every envelope, Andy said, open when. And on the and it said, when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling insecure, I was I was shocked. It was like uh, 15 envelopes or something. Crazy. So she's already trying to figure out how to help herself when she's having tough times. That's brilliant because she knows she's thinking. She knows that when she's on track, she's thinking a certain way. And she knows that when she's not on track, she's thinking a different way. And so she has devised a way to get her thinking back that way again. Right. To remind herself. Brilliant, right? She's only 14 years old. I mean, God bless her. But she's in that middle school, tough times. And when I take what she's doing, and then I hear what you've just said about your thinking is the basis of your future. So you have to protect your mind. I've always believed that, right? I've also said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future quite often. I'm sure you've heard that. You might have actually said that in the past. Tell me this, um, who influences your thinking? Like, do you have leaders that you have around and uh, and why? Yeah, I, I have, you know, I, I will tell you this, even to the slightest degree, the people that I do not want influencing my thinking I don't, I don't spend time with, um, we're all around people all the time who are wiser than us. Uh, they're, they're people we're around who have, uh, maybe less wisdom than us, but just because somebody is younger and has less wisdom does not mean they cannot create thought processes in you that will lead you to greater wisdom to great, you know, and, and so, so I really surround myself with people who are iron sharpening iron. I have a coach I meet with once a week. Um, I, I have, uh, in, in a leadership role, I, there's one thing that I've determined that I communicate with people who are around me. I, you know, I, I create kind of this board of directors. I, I suggest that everybody creates their own board of directors. You know, they hadn't got to know they're on it, but you can have these people as your board of directors. And we should have people around us that have the, the freedom and the permission to tell us the truth mm-hmm. about ourselves. The biggest, you know, some of the biggest disasters I've ever seen in business and entertainment have been people who, for one reason or another, there was nobody around them 
that could say, hey, you know, you're turning into a jerk. And with that information, they wouldn't either be divorced or fired. And so, so those are disasters waiting to happen. But I, but I also know that in the world of leaders, there is kind of, you know, we create our own pecking order as to who is important to us and who we look up to. And, oh my gosh, you know, I don't want them to think anything bad about me. Or, you know, there's different levels of people that we all create in our minds. And, and as you get higher in that food chain, I saw, I saw a, I saw a change that I had to make in my life with some of the people that I'd surrounded myself with. I didn't have to change them. I had to change what I had requested of them because Mm. I had, I had very purposely for years existed with people around me that they knew that they had permission to call me out. They knew because I told them, you have permission to call me on, you know, call me out on anything you see or you suspect or you sense might be, you know, in, in front of me, you have permission to call me out. But I had an experience with a with a, a friend of mine who is kind of a big brother, kind of a mentor, and he's he's a, a big deal in my life. And I was talking to my wife Polly about just something that I had seen in in his business life that I said, you know, I don't think he understands this, and you know, I, I just hope it doesn't turn around to bite him. And and she said to me, she said, well, have you told him? And I said, no, I, no, I'm not, I'm not going to tell him. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going to tell him. And she said, well, you're his friend, right? I said, yeah, but I, you know, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I, I, so I, you know, I, and she said, well, you need to think about that. And so I did. And I realized that I was doing my friend a great disservice, but I also realized that he had also given me permission to call him out. And so here is what I I shifted that to. And I think there's probably a lot of people that need to make this shift. I went back and I talked to to my, you know, the, the people who had that great influence in my life, people that I'd given permission to to tell me the truth. And I said, hey, you know how I've said several times in the past, and we've talked about it, that you have permission to to tell me the truth about myself? And they said, yeah. I said, okay, well, I need to take that back. I need to take that permission back. And you no longer have permission to tell me the truth about myself. I went, okay. And I said, here's, here's what I'm saying. I'm not giving you permission to tell me the truth. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to mm-hmm. tell me the truth. I know that it may be hard. I know that it may hurt me. I, I know that it, it, it's, it may create a, a, an awkward moment, but I said, I got to tell you, I'm begging you to, because it's my life. This is my life. This is my marriage. This is my influence. These are my kids. This is my life. So you don't have permission Permission just says, yeah, you can do it if you want to. I'm begging you. 
Wow. So did you talk to him? I did. I did. Because I knew that even though he he had only given me permission, I knew I was the one who was reacting wrongly to that, not him. Mm. I absolutely love the personal board of directors, whether they, as you just said, whether they know they're on the board of directors or not. Yeah, find, find people in your life who are where you want to be in the most important areas of your life. What are the most important areas of your life? If, if your marriage is an important part of your life, find a couple or a couple of couples that they've been married longer than you have and they're happy and they like each other and they communicate well. And, and you ain't got to tell them, but take them to lunch every now and then ask them questions, you know, to find somebody who, if, if you, if, if the financial part of your life is important, find somebody who's made a lot more money than you have. And in my case, it's pretty easy to do, but I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, to, to take them to lunch occasionally, ask them questions. You, you want to, you, you know, your parenting. I mean, you've, you've got a, a, a 14 year old Casey, I would tell you find somebody who has already raised the kind of kids that you want to raise, find somebody, they already done it. You look at their 24 year old and you go, man, I'd be happy if mine turns out like that. Take them to lunch, ask them questions, ask, you know, take the kid, take the 24 year old to lunch and say, Hey, what's the smartest thing your mom ever did? Ask them good questions. The quality of your answers will be determined by the quality of your questions. And so don't just sit there and say, tell me about yourself, ask them questions. You know, if you, if you take the parents to dinner, say, Hey, if you could wave a magic wand, and redo one thing you did as a parent, what would it be? I mean, you, you'll be surprised at some of the answers that you'll get that you can think through to, to an answer for you. To, and sometimes these are answers to challenges you hadn't even identified yet. You just made a comment, which is something I'm so passionate about. The quality of your answers is gonna be correlated with the quality of your questions. So if you're stuck, if you lack hope, if you feel like you don't have a future, whatever it might be, find someone who doesn't ask. Ask them the questions of what did they do in the same exact moment that you're in, because you know that they're going to probably give you a great direction and, and help you get focused. But you know what, Andy, is so interesting. I have never, and this is, I'm, I'm, I might be the same age as you. Maybe I'm a little older. Anyway. Uh, if, <laughs> I doubt you're older. I'm 87. You are not 87 years old. <laughs> but that was a good number. So I'm younger. Okay. I'll go there. So, um, I have never in my career ever asked for advice and been turned down by anybody, people that have, are, are accomplished or in a position of influence or are successful. It is shocking to me how few people ask them for advice, ask them for advice, but don't ask them to mentor you. <laughs> gotcha. I, 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 I was telling you, Ask them, say, hey, can I ask you a question? Sure you can. Will you mentor me? My God, I have a life. I have a family. <laughs> I, I, I've got a business I run. I, it, you know, I mean, will it, you know, so don't put somebody in that position. But, hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, don't even ask to, don't even ask, could we have a cup of coffee sometime? Because I got to tell you, we get emails all the time. We've had some people get mad about it. Really? 
he won't even have a cup of coffee. And it, we had not too long ago had somebody go tell my assistant, so you you've said he's too busy to have a cup of coffee. But I saw him in a restaurant the other day with his boys. And my sister's like, really? You want me to tell him that he can't have lunch with his boys so he can have a cup of coffee with you? Oh, my so, God. So just, you know, be, be, it's not just me. I mean, you get that too. And, oh, and so, so just be, you'll get a lot more by being somebody other people want to be around. Mm -hmm. You know how, you know how, you, you know how you have, you'll have a guest that'll come to your house and they'll just stay and stay and stay. You know, you, you expected it to be 45 minutes and three hours later, they're still there. But then you have these great friends of yours and, and they will say something like, we passed by your house the other night and uh, we saw you guys were at home, but we didn't want to interrupt. And, and, and you know, it's an odd thing because the people you wouldn't mind interrupting wouldn't dare interrupt. I could, listen, were you in my house a few weeks ago going, are they ever going to leave? Are they ever going to leave? Are they ever going to leave? Well, and you're at your watch and my kids are upset. I'm like, I got a life. I got to go. I got to go. So, Andy, I got to ask you because I do believe you've raised some good boys. And so in that segue, you said, ask somebody who's done it. So I got girls. And I do you know, by the way, I know you don't like to call yourself a motivational speaker, influencer. How about that? You're an influential human being because you influence my life. You want to know something you said up on stage, didn't know me. I'm over. I was going to take notes of how good a speaker you were. And I finally threw the paper away and said, I just got to be entertained because you were so cool. But you said something to me, and I don't know if you remember it, about how you tuck your boys in every night. Yeah. Yeah. They're not boys anymore, but I, I really see my, the principle that I believe about parenting, I've had a lot of people through the years come up to me and they'll, Tell me something about their kids or something they're having an issue with. And, and I always ask, I say, well, what is your strategy? What, you know, what is your MO as a parent? You know, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you after? And invariably I get a version of, you know, we are, we are raising great kids. I mean, we're determined to raise great kids. We, we told God, if you would bless us with kids, they, they would be our priority. So we think about them all day. We think about them all night. We pray for them. We, I mean, we are determined to raise great kids. And, and I always want to say, well, that might be your problem. Because in reality, you don't really want to raise great kids. What you want to do is raise kids who become great adults. That's two different things. That's two different pathways. You can go by one while you're getting to the other, but if all you're about is raising great kids, we can make them be great kids because we're bigger than they are and we got all the money. Okay, but what you're really after is how they behave when they're away from you, how they act when they're away from you, how how they work as adults. Do they have self-discipline? This is why we discipline. We discipline not because we're on a power trip. We discipline so that they can learn self-discipline. And if 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 a child grows into an adult, Without self-discipline, that's a problem because adults without self-discipline, they are disciplined by society. And when society disciplines you, it's a big deal. It's, 
you're under arrest. Here's a restraining order. You're fired. And and so what we're trying to do is install things in them as children that make sense, that lead them to ways that they can think as adults. Mm -hmm. And so, so when my boys were little, I mean, they're 20 and 23 now, but when they were little, every night I would, I would go in and I would say, okay, time to check your hearts. And I would put my hand on their chest and I would say, did you have a good day? I say, we did. And I'll say, did everything go like you wanted it to go? And I go, well, not all the time. And I go, okay, that's good. That's a good day then. And I say, um, did you treat people well? I said, we did. And I say, is there is there anybody that you need to forgive? Mm. I say, we don't think so. I say, is there anything you need to ask forgiveness for? We don't think so. Okay, you know how much I love you? Yes, sir. All right. You guys have great hearts. You have great hearts. And and that would be it. But I, I want I want I wanted to put in their mind to be intentional of how they treated people. About mm. if they weren't treated well, that they could forgive that. And they didn't have to carry that around as an offense. You know, because the person who treated them badly, they're sleeping peacefully across town, unaware that they're even been out of shape. I mean, it, it's it's our life that ruins when we don't forgive. And so I wanted them to understand that they could forgive whether anybody asked for it, whether anybody deserved it, or whether anybody knew anything was going on. They could forgive. And I wanted them to understand that that they could ask for forgiveness, that that's a different thing, That that when you when you when you make a mistake i'm sorry we'll do it mm. but when you make a choice only will you forgive me we'll press that reset button this is why we see sometimes politicians or public figures and and they'll do something and they'll go hey, i'm sorry you know i'm really sorry and and then you see them in another press conference i'm still sorry and then six months later it's like hey i'm I'm sorry. How many times do I have to say I'm sorry? Can't we just get over this? And the and the the uh, prevailing opinion seems to be no. We can't get over this because we don't know if you're sorry or if you're just sorry you got caught. You know because when when you make a mistake, if you go to a red light and you go right instead of left, and it turns out you should have gone left. You know, you can tell everybody at work, hey, man, I, I screwed up. And gosh, I won't do that again. I'll know to go, always go left there. And and people, and, but I am sorry for anything that I've caused. And people are like, yeah, okay, we're good with that. Because they can kind of go, yeah, there, but for the grace of God, go, I, I could have gone left there. And, and so it, it's a mistake. Okay, but if you walk in, if your mama has told you not to go into the woods, into, into those woods, don't ever go in there. Okay, it's dangerous and you don't go in there. And you think that one day you can go in there and you can get out before anybody finds out and you go in and you get turned around and it gets dark and you get lost and then you fall off a cliff and, and break your arm. That, that wasn't a mistake. 
you made a choice to do something that you knew you shouldn't have done. And so my, you know, I wanted the boys to grow up knowing that if you're running through the house and somebody trips and gets hurt and cries, okay, that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean, because they didn't mean, and and then that's okay. But, but if somebody comes in and it gets mad and they hit you or (laughs) they take something from you, that was not a mistake. That wasn't a mistake. That was a choice. And, and only will you forgive me? So our boys grew up knowing the difference and would use that with each other Hmm. and would use that with their mom and dad. And I am convinced that, that it is a reset button that, that parents really need to push with their families because we can, Hmm. you know, we can inadvertently, um, hurt our children and because we think that you know they're kids and we just kind of blow it off and then we do that enough and i mean how many stories have you heard of of, you know parents and kids getting to be 15 or 16 and they're they're just at each other's throats because at some point the kid goes yeah i'm not i'm not putting up with this anymore and then they they leave and you know the best some families can hope for is they turn 25 or 26 and it's calmed down enough that they can at least get along at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But there's no real relationship there. You know, I, I remember one time taking Austin to school. He was in the first grade, still in his little booster seat, and and somebody pulled out in front of me, and I, you know, I hit the brakes and I said a word, you know, that I shouldn't have said, and. And I was very aware that I'd said the word as I'm pulling away. And I hear Austin in the back. The first girl said, what did you say, Dad? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I, you know, I said, I said a bad word and I shouldn't have said that. And I'm sorry. Okay. He said, okay. And I took him to school and I thought about that all day. And when he got home from school, I sat him on the bed and I got down on the floor because I wanted to be lower than he was. And I said, hey, buddy, do you remember the word daddy said when I was taking you to school? He said, I do. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I said, you know, I've thought about that all day. And I felt sad about that all day because I should not have said that word. And, And it's not that I shouldn't have said it in front of you. I shouldn't have said it. I, that was, it was wrong. And not only is it a bad example for you, it's just bad for me to do. And so I'm really sorry that I did that, but I need to ask you, will you forgive me for saying that and being a bad example for you? And he got off the bed and put his arm on me and patted me and said, I will, I will die. And then nothing was ever mentioned about it, but it's a reset button Mm. that we can push as parents that's huge. You just, uh, you still remember that. How old is he now? 23. And you still remember it. I do. Have you forgiven yourself? I have. And that's an important thing, too. Because, you you know, I find a lot of people that I'll talk to and they, they're not getting the business results they want. And, and you know, they can't get the clients. They can't get the the meetings and, and I will sense kind of what it is. And it, and I, I will talk to them about forgiveness and, and that, 
this, you know, forgiveness is a decision. It's not an emotion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we treat it like an emotion, which is why it drags us around like a dog on a leash. But it's not just forgiving other people. Some of the worst cases of dysfunction I've seen are people who are holding a grudge against themselves. Mm. And, and just like a dog can sense fear in people, people can sense bitterness in other people. And they don't always know what they're sensing, but they don't do business with it. They don't stay married to it forever. They don't date it again. That's for sure. You know, you mentioned earlier about feedback, your friend that you did tell and share information. I'm curious, um, a question's come in, Brian Wallace um, is asking you. He believes, firmly believes that feedback's a gift. What was the most important piece of feedback that you've received in your lifetime? This was like 20 years ago, and I was a, a successful comedian, you know? I, I, and a lot of people don't know I did that, but I, I toured for two years with Joan Rivers, toured for five years with Kenny Rogers. and I did not I, know that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was a comedian of the year twice on college campuses in America, and entertainer of the year once. So like two years before me, the entertainer of the year was the police. The next year it was Huey Lewis in the news. The next year it was me. And, and so I, I was... I was doing well, and and I went. I was in in our hometown, you know, in little towns like this. Sometimes places double up, all right. And so right. this was a place that it was a pool supply, swimming pool supply, but it was also a UPS place, right? And so <laughs> I went in, and my friend, a uh, friend of mine, Jerry Anderson, worked for the pool place. And so when I walked in, I saw Jerry and I said, Hey, you know, how are you doing? I talked to him for a minute. Then I went over and did my UPS stuff and I left. And that afternoon I saw Jerry at the grocery store and Jerry said, Hey, do you have a minute? And I said, sure. He said, is everything okay? Yeah. Yeah. He said, are you, are you sure there's nothing, nothing you're dealing with or anything? And I said, no, Jerry, what, why, why are you saying that? He said, well, when you were in the shop today and, you know, you went and sent that package UPS, I said, right. He said, when you left, uh, the ladies working there, they asked me if I knew you. And I said that I did. And they said, what's his problem? And I thought, I, I didn't have a problem. I, I was okay. But, man, whatever the look on my face was, Whatever my tone of voice was, when I left, they thought, what's his problem? And and I realized, man, you know, Jerry, Jerry said, you might want to work on that. I'm like, that's the understatement of the world, you know, because here, here I, I, I'm, I, I'm in a business that relies on people being happy around me and accepting me. And here I'm, you know, walking around with a look on my face that what's his problem. And so I, that's where I developed the thing, learning how and teaching how to smile while you talk, you know, cause most people don't do it. And, you know, if you keep an eye on people, there is a lot of people that you can look at and go, yeah, what's their problem? And you don't, they don't really mean anything by it, but, but if you smile while you talk, you know, or people, 
Yeah, yeah. And so it's, but but it was a huge lesson to me. It made, and I think made a massive difference in my life and in my career. Well, it's interesting because I was telling my, uh, my, my teenagers, uh, you want to know the secret of being popular because, you know, everybody wants to be popular. And I was told this when I was in high school. I remember it clear to this day. Don't know if it's true. I'm just telling And the guy said, just smile all the time. Nobody wants to be around somebody who's depressed, sad, discouraged. People want to be around happy people. And they gravitate to those yeah. that feed their soul, make them happy by just being in their presence because there's a light that comes through them. So just keep smiling. Yeah, there's a question I asked myself for years, and and that question was suggested to me by an uh, an old man named Jones, and and he told me he said you need to ask yourself this question, and so I started. I I say, Andy, what is it about you that other people would change if they could? Hmm. What is it about you, Andy, that other people would change if they could? And then that turned into what is it about the way you walk into a room, Andy, that other people would change if they could? What is it about eating in public, Andy, that other people would change? What is it about the way you dress, Andy, that other people would change? And and sometimes I would get answers and I would think, I don't really want to change that. I'm fine with that. But then I'd realize that wasn't the question. The <laughs> question was, what would other people change if they could? And the point is not that you live your life according to the whims of other people, or you live according to how other people think. It, the, the point is that if we want people to buy what we're selling, if we want people to come around to our way of thinking, if we want people to believe like we believe, we want people to vote like we vote, it really does help if they like you a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay, so I, I'm running out of time. I want to do two quick things. Uh, what's your perspective right now on this wave of layoffs? Um, which side of it? I mean, mm. you want my perspective on the people from the person? You want my perspective as if I have been laid off or my perspective as if I had laid off people? Can you do both? Sure. My perspective as if I had laid off people is fruit trees don't produce unless you prune them because the 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 roots are set to make a beautiful tree and any extra stuff that the roots can produce goes into fruit production and so you take off certain branches and then that gives more to go into fruit production you know companies organizations teams they're the same way if you're running an NFL, if you're running a college team, you just got to let them stay. Okay, but if you're running an NFL team, you're looking to upgrade. You know, I mean, it, it, several years ago, there were 28 NFL teams that would have gotten rid of their first string wide receiver if Jerry Rice had have been available. Everybody's looking to upgrade. No, no harm, no foul. Okay, but if you're in a p period of time where it's it's pruning you're looking to make the whole better you can't just let the whole tree die mm. all right so that's the perspective of that person now it but understand you gotta understand what perspective is because perspective if you ask most people what is perspective most people say well perspective is is how people think it's whether they see the glass half full or glass half empty and that's true but not the truth because the truth is it's not how you how you 
think, it's how you choose to think. Because the, the, the water line here is not half full, it's not half empty. It just is what it is. And it's how you choose to think of it is gonna lead you down one path or another. And so for people who have been laid off, the perspective has to be glass half full. Okay, now, because you can choose to say, well, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to any of us. This is the worst thing that ever happened. Okay, well, what, what do you do when you think this is the worst thing? This is the worst thing. Well, what you do is you, you, you complain, you get depressed, you probably go in the house by yourself. And, you know, people don't want to hire glass half empty people. People don't want to promote glass half empty people. And, and glass half empty people don't get a lot of opportunities because opportunities come from people. And so glass half empty people are being by themselves. And so when there's opportunities shared, they're not getting them. But if, if, uh, if a person who's laid off can look and say, you know what? I would have never chosen this, but this may be the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, and so now they're looking at that that way, and mm -hmm. they're a glass half full person. And so, what do they do? They they they're actively looking. They're around people, and they're saying, "Well, you know, how many times have we had something happen we didn't expect?" And then years later, we go, "Wow, this would have never happened if it hadn't been for that." You know, so why couldn't this be that way? And so, people want to hire glass half full people. They want to promote glass half full, but they want to put glass half full people in leadership positions. And glass half full people get more opportunities because there's a ton of people who want to be around glass half full people. And so, when opportunities are shared. They're hearing them. And so that turns out to be their reality. And and truly, their life, it did turn out to be the best thing that ever happened. See, it's perspective. It's how you choose to think. And perspective is the only thing that can totally change the results without changing a single fact. Let that sit in, everybody. It's the one thing that can change without changing a single fact. It's how you choose to think. Oh my goodness, Andy, uh, so much wisdom. Thank you for your time today. I, I want to give you a moment because we talked about what are you working on right now? You want to talk about Wisdom Harbor to say goodbye to everybody and invite them to come join you because it's amazing? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're, you're a member, right? I'm a member. I'm a member. Yep. Everybody highly recommend it. We have a, a streaming service called wisdomharbor.com and and it it is incredibly inexpensive <laughs> but but it has been created to be a relationship connector between adults with each other business adults it's a relationship connector with adults and young people and it's going into tons of schools right now and our mantra is that we are creating the next greatest generation because I, I I did so much study to figure out how that happened. You know, how did that happen? And how have we, you know, how did we have 150 years of rise to the character in that point and then 80 years of decline ever since? And and part of that is because there is a disconnect between young people and adults today. You know, Casey, when you and I grew up, we wanted to be adults. We wanted to sit at the big table. Mm -hmm. Right. And remember, our parents would say, OK, you can sit there, but be quiet, because if you call attention to yourself, you're going to bed. 
And my, mm-hmm. my sister and I, you know, after a while, we'd look at each other and go, they have forgotten we're here. We're here because we're hearing them say things we don't ever hear them say. And, 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 and we would listen and we would be in the backseat of the car and we would hear our dads talk to their friends and hear our dads and our moms talk. And we hear our moms talk to their friends and we learned the art of conversation. And somewhere along the line, it, it, you know, the adult dinners became, okay, I put all the kids in the playroom and I put a movie on and I closed the door and I told them if they come out, they're going to bed. You know, we get them in the backseat of the car and put the headphones on them and a screen in front of them. And okay, we're good for the trip. And kids are growing up without learning how to have conversations. But if Mm -hmm. you look at the greatest generation, maybe they shouldn't have that tag. I think the greatest generation was probably their parents and teachers and the adults in that society that raised these kids by a standard that 80 years later, we still look back and say, that's the best we ever were. But, but the, the primary function back then, even though adults disagreed as much as we disagree now, I mean, don't, don't make a mistake. There were Democrats and Republicans back then. There were black people and white people and brown people and and there were there were Catholics and Baptists and Muslims and Jews and <coughs> atheists and Christians and they didn't agree on anything either. But they did agree they wanted the best for their children. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they did is they all knew the kids. I mean, a, a, a kid couldn't do something on this side of town that his mama didn't know about when he got home because everybody he passed knew him and could talk to him and, and get generate a conversation with him. And, and so this is what wisdom Harbor does. We, a Harbor is a safe place and it has docks. So we've got writer's dock, musician's dock, a bet you didn't know dock, uh, um, uh, audiobook doc, and in other words, there's like 20, 20 docs, a how do I doc, a just for fun doc, and the people delivering these five and six minute pieces of content are Grammy winners, comedians, uh, CEOs, chefs, speakers. Andy, I, I, let me tell you, everybody listening in, when you go to the site, go check it out. You're going to love I love how you've put it together in the um, modularized where I know exactly what I'm getting and who I'm getting. And you've got some amazing human beings in there beyond yourself, of course, that I was stuck. Everybody should check it out again. It's wisdomharbor.com. Yeah. And 20 something dollars for an entire year, 50 something dollars for your entire family update devices for the year. For so, the year. Come, on. Insane. come on, we need to sponsor you. I'm going to tell you that because I believe in what you're doing. I believe who you, who you are as a man, a, a human being, a, a businessman, an influencer, your books. I have so many favorites, but I just, uh, somebody's like, when are you going to have him on again? I don't know. Would you do that again? Would you? Sure. And um, I'll give you the questions way ahead of time. And I'll have everybody submit questions because people want to know, what does Andy think? Because you have had an impression um, I asked the question about your kids and what you did with your boys and you put your hand on their heart because I remembered in the audience, but I wanted to give a gift to some of the people that are listening and that I know have small babies. Start early. I believe in routine and habits to find success long-term. And what habits do you have with your children? And one of them is put the phone down. Two is spend time. I recently, Andy, um, you'll appreciate, I did a love language quiz for my whole family and I found out something really profound. We all had the same love language in my family, and it's the quality of time. 
And so when my little girls walk in the room, if we are on our phones or not paying attention, it's there's a there's a perception we don't love them and or they aren't important. So with that, Andy, have a blessed day and thank you for your time. Thank you, Casey. I enjoyed it.